0: Please turn in your copies of the scripture to Psalm 96. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness.
1: I greet you this morning in Jesus' name. On the day following, uh, the Sunday following Thanksgiving, perhaps you can uh, complete this verse, a familiar one from the Psalms. As I pause for the blank, let me hear the, the uh, response altogether. Enter his gates with? Thanksgiving. And come into his courts with? Praise. Now, for just a moment, talk to the person next to you and tell them the difference between Thanksgiving and praise. Open your Bibles to Luke 17. Luke 17, 11 through 19 gives a familiar story, one that children easily recognize this morning. In the life of Jesus, he's traveling about, and a group of men encounter him, but keeping their distance, they cry aloud with a single voice to Christ. Luke 17, beginning at verse 11. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner and he said to him rise and go your way your faith has made you well Jesus had already been rejected by Samaritans in a village and had to turn and go a different way and now he was going along between or along the border between Galilee and Samaria but en route to Jerusalem These ten lepers, made up of Jewish men for the most part, probably, and at least one of them a Samaritan. Typically, Jews and Samaritans didn't bond with each other or have things in common. But these men had one big problem in common, and that bonded them together. They had that horrible disease of leprosy. A skin disease that blotched with white spots on the skin, sometimes with red festering sores or open wounds. And because of the laws in the Old Testament, the Mosaic laws, because this disease was contagious, they were required to keep their distance. And so they were shunned from society, rejected even by their own families having to live elsewhere, and they bonded together. And here they were and encountered Jesus along the way. They'd heard enough of Jesus, of his miracles and of his power, that they believed he might help them. And so not coming too close, but they cried with a loud voice, a unified voice and a strong, loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. One of the beautiful things in this story is that Jesus has pity. Jesus has mercy. Jesus does care about the plight and the distress and the disease and the sickness and the problems of people in their ordinary and daily lives. Jesus had come from heaven, was here as an incarnate son of God, walking the dusty paths of earth, meeting men where they lived. And Jesus heard that cry and he responded to them simply by saying, go show yourselves to the priest. The priest was the medical doctor of their day, he was the one to examine them to declare whether or not they were fit to reenter society, whether the disease was truly healed or not. And he would perform the necessary rituals and sacrifices that would allow them to return if they, in fact, were cured of the disease. So without explicitly promising that Jesus was healing them, he sent them on the way and they knew what it meant. And with whatever faith they had in Jesus at that point, meager though it no doubt was, they responded with obedience and they went on the way to find the priest. And as they went, they were healed. I wonder which one of them saw it first. I wonder if they felt it in their bones I wonder if their skin tingled. I wonder if they looked at their arms and hands and saw that those old sores were gone and the skin was fresh and clean. I wonder what they said. But certainly with joy, they looked and examined and felt, I can show myself to the priest. I can re-enter my family. I can come back to society. And with excitement, they hurried on to, to show the world, I'm well. you no doubt sense the disappointment in Jesus as only one of them turned back to express gratitude and thanks. This doesn't mean that Jesus at all regretted being gracious and generous and kind and merciful to these men and performing such a miracle for them. He recognized their meager faith. He sent them on their way, and as they went in obedience, he healed them. He doesn't rebuke them for being so occupied with the dire need and necessity of getting along in this life. They obviously were ten men occupied with their need. But Jesus didn't rebuke them for that. He didn't scold them for being too focused on the physical or anything like that. He was down there on planet Earth walking with them. And though they didn't recognize him necessarily as God... He was a normal man, clothed in Jewish garments, walking the same dusty roads, same kind of sandals that they wore. They knew that he was a special man with special connections with God, but they didn't equate him with God, and yet they responded in obedience, expecting him to do something. Jesus understands and sympathizes with men as they are occupied with their need. He knows that it takes a lot of care and attention and work and toil to provide for the family, to take care of the children, to work, to earn, to get along in this life. And Jesus meets us there, but he doesn't expect us to stay there where the rest of society stays and so as Jesus pointed them in the direction of meeting their needs he responded with his own power to heal and save calling them to obedience in their faith and so the ten men instantly cured and healed along the way what are they going to do One of them turned back. Nine of them went on. Nine of them went in obedience to Christ to show themselves to the priest, noticing their their healing, rejoicing in the gift. There were nine men occupied now with the gift. And I fully expect that they were grateful. They were thankful The only thing is, they didn't go back and say anything about it to Jesus. Maybe it didn't occur to them in that moment of excitement. Maybe they thought they'll find him later. We don't know. But nine men, occupied with their gift, went their way, continuing on to find the priest. To hear him declare that they were well, excited beyond words, looking, enjoying, appreciating the physical gift. The material things. Only one returned to approach Jesus. Notice three things that happened as he returned and talked with Jesus. First of all, he praised God with a loud voice. They had been loud when they asked for Jesus to have mercy on them. And now with a loud voice, he is praising God. Whatever his meager understanding of Jesus was, he certainly did not equate him with the Father, God in heaven. No one did in Jesus' time, or seldom did anyone ever say that he was truly God. And when they got Jesus to say that, they killed him. But this man, having experienced from Jesus a gift, recognized the gift was really from God. He knew that every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And whatever he received was truly, first of all, from him, and secondly, from Jesus. Usually we equate Jesus and God And from our perspective and from the understanding we have in scriptures, we recognize them as one. But here was a man who came first to the man wearing Jewish clothes, and instead of addressing him, he gave praise to God for the healing in his body. He recognizes the giver. Secondly, he fell on his face at Jesus feet no familiar embrace no friendship expressed there but rather submission and honor and recognizing his low place before one who is greater than he a posture of service a posture of worship then third he gave Jesus thanks appreciating the kindness of Jesus in being the one who would channel a gift from God to him, a lowly leper. Here is one man out of the ten who is occupied no longer with his need or with the gift received, but a man who is occupied with the giver, focusing his attention, his voice, his posture On one who is supreme and worthy of all praise. As we see Jesus here, we recognize that he is the one who was the channel of blessings from God to this man and to all ten of them. The leper's response, notably, is twofold. He didn't just come back to thank Jesus. He did that. But that was the third of those three, you remember? First thing he did was to praise God with a loud voice. Jesus was, at that moment, secondary and appropriately so. For when Jesus responded, thinking and asking his questions, his thought is not about getting thanks to himself. Jesus doesn't feel left out or somehow ignored because the others didn't come back to thank him. It wasn't about thanking me that Jesus was so concerned. He said, Weren't there, was there only one to come back and Give praise to God? What Jesus is disappointed about is the lack of praise to the Lord, God, not about giving thanks to himself. And of all people, the one who returned was a Samaritan. To the Jew, the Samaritans were the half-breed group, they had some kind of a renegade and, and corrupted language, religion and they didn't really belong. And here it was a Samaritan who returned with this commendable response of praise to God. I think too often perhaps we stop short of the last part of the story. We use this story to help our children recognize the importance of saying thank you. I remember I was five years old on my birthday. Somebody brought this little five-year-old boy a birthday present. And it was a little book of, a children's book of the Ten Commandments. And as they gave it to me, my parents pressured me to say thank you. And I was shy, I hardly knew the man. And I was just five and I was torn. I couldn't get the gift unless I said thank you. And I remember the struggle that was. (laughs) Well, it is important to voice our appreciation and respect and gratitude to the one who gives us gifts. But if that's all we see in this story, we're missing the higher point, aren't we? How different it is when a child receives a gift, opens unwraps it looks at it squeals with delight and surprise and then leaves the gift and goes and gives grandpa grandma a big hug not that they're forgetting or ignoring the gift but they're recognizing the giver how beautiful that is when the giver is acknowledged his role his generosity his worthiness an appreciation for Him. And I believe that's why the disappointment of Jesus is reflected here in the words, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? And I believe Jesus continues to feel the disappointment when His adult children get so focused on the gifts. He generously lavishes those gifts We gratefully receive and appreciate and enjoy them and use them. But do we pause to come back and acknowledge God and thank and praise Him for who He is as the generous, benevolent, gracious, merciful God who provides all that we are, all that we have, all that we hope for. when the Apostle Paul was encouraging the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, encouraging them to give generously to the poor folks in Jerusalem who were suffering from a famine. He reminded them that when they receive the gift, they are going to thank and praise God and their hearts will go out to you and they'll pray for you. It's a beautiful illustration of this twofold response. First of all, recognizing God as the giver. God as the generous one. God as the provider creator. But then also warm toward those who have been a channel of those blessings to us. When we receive God's blessings and generous gifts, and we respond with praise and worship and gratitude, then we hear, What Jesus said to this leper, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He had not said that to the nine. It merely said that they were cleansed. They were healed of their leprosy, that terrible skin disease. But Jesus promised here to the one who has acknowledged God has expressed praise and worship to him, has fallen down on his feet before one to whom he is submitting, Jesus' promise to him is a bigger and broader and greater promise than mere physical blessings. It goes beyond the physical healing of the skin to the inner healing of the soul. Your faith has made you well. And it speaks that this faith is responding to God And coming close to God with praise is a faith that results in spiritual healing and salvation as well. So it's in Psalm 100 that I began with that we are invited. Come with your thanksgivings. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, recognizing the things he has done. Yes, yes. But as you get closer to the splendor of the Holy One in the temple, and you recognize that you are approaching one whose glory exceeds all that you've experienced before, and as you get near to Him, then you will enter His courts with praise. We are commanded in Scripture both to give thanks and to give praise. And I believe we're beginning to see the The difference and the higher road, the higher path of praise as Jesus calls us to recognize the giver of all that we have. Sometimes we do this praise by singing songs of praise and adoration. Sometimes we do it by sitting at his feet. Praising him by giving him our attention. Listening to his word. Meditating on what he is saying. Meditating on Him, who He is, what He has done, what He has said. Sometimes we worship by pouring out our souls to Him in praise or confession or sorrow, trusting Him with the inner personal issues of our own life. The well-known question in a catechism is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. As we, with the single leper, come to enjoy God and bow before him, and express to him our praise and our our adoration, then we begin to experience that relationship with God in which we truly can glorify God and enjoy him for now and forever. All our life is to be lived for the glory of God, whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And as we develop a pattern in our lives. We will find a higher path of praise that lifts us above the thanksgiving of the world around us to the one that brings us into communion and fellowship with God. Jesus walks with us in our everyday life, understanding and recognizing the struggles and toils we have, but always pointing us upward To the one who is the giver of all that we have and are and hope for. All throughout scripture we are called to admit that our inner revolt against the rule of God that began in the garden is also our own. We are called to recognize that God's redemption is the only way of salvaging us from our disease, our sin, Our only salvation is to return to him, to repent, to trust his atonement, to bow at his feet, to worship him. Alone brings us into that union with the creator to which we are called to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Only by such worshiping faith can we truly be made whole. Go your way. Express your faith and hear the promise of Christ. Your faith has made you whole.
2: And now it's your turn. Uh, who here is ready to give praise to God publicly this morning? Uh, we're going to sing one verse of praise to God, immortal praise and invite you just to come, line up on the sides, be prepared to share uh, a word of praise this morning. So first first, Stanley, please. And please come, it's you, it's not somebody else, okay? Not your neighbor, you.
3: 2, 3 and 4, for I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.
2: Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can be compared to you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Blessed is the man who who makes the Lord his trust. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples, for great
3: is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord.
0: I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved, he that keepeth thee will not slumber.
3: Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me.
1: Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who, forgiveth all, who forgives all your iniquities,
3: who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth
1: with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles.
2: Have you not known, have you not heard,
3: at the risk of breaking protocol, I'd like to put, make some context. When Steve uh, said about sharing scripture last Sunday, this immediately came to mind. Um, two weeks ago, I attended the funeral of some friends of ours. They're their five-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And she had learned to memorize. She had got a sniffles Tuesday, and Friday morning she died of pneumonia. <clears throat> he happens to be a medical doctor. Her mom's an RN, unheard of they did everything correctly she still passed away she knew this passage of scripture by heart and would say it around the house and we said it at the funeral service as a congregation and maybe we should do that here psalm 100 should we say it together sure. psalm 100 in that context of grief and the grieving friends of this beautiful little girl laying there sleeping in the casket this psalm took on new meaning for me in a powerful way should we say psalm 100 together His steadfast steadfast love endures forever, and and His his faithfulness faithfulness to all generations.
0: generations. The scripture says that our bodies are wonderfully and fearfully made, and also that the Lord is a giver of every good and perfect gift. And I just had to think, uh, even before John Evans' sermon, how much I do appreciate physical health and medical care and sanitation that we have in this country in this late Ebola scare. Uh, come recently uh, there was a statistic that i was staggered by and it was that uh, i forget the number but the number of doctors in liberia if i recall right translated to like one or two doctors in the whole city of harrisonburg in terms of just so scarce so i want to thank the lord and give him glory for all his uh, benefits physical benefits he's given to me and my family
2: when i look at your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the Son of Man that you care for him. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Jude
3: one, twenty four and twenty five, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory before all time, and now, and forever.
1: O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens.
3: Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your
1: foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you
3: have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him
1: and the son of man that you care for him? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.
0: Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace.
2: The largest book in the Bible is the Psalms, and a lot of Psalms are praises to the Lord. And the very last verse in the book of Psalms. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
1: I am thankful uh, that
3: God is a safe place for us. He is one that we can trust always. And he keeps his promises. I'm really thankful for that. I might sometimes have trust issues, but he is safe. And he means what he says. I really like Proverbs 3, um, starting verse 5, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. I'm very thankful for that. Isaiah 6,
1: Isaiah speaks i saw the lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above him stood the seraphim each had six wings with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory summarizing
3: the next several verses isaiah recognizes his sinfulness and he said woe is me i am lost i am undone and one of the angel flies to him and says this has touched
1: your lips Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. As a person of many words, I am grateful that God is working that in me.
2: Lamentations three. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him.
3: I am deeply grateful for the privilege to magnify the Lord's, the Lord today publicly. We we have so much to be grateful for in this land. Um, I'm very grateful for his word as a God
2: to live. First John 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
1: From Romans 11, oh the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.
2: From Revelations, chapter five. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped.
3: Matthew twenty-five, thirty-five. For I was in Hungary, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in in John 13:35. by all this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another you as a congregation have shown that to our family thank you
1: and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host
3: praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased
2: And if I can conclude with this passage, you, you as a people are a work of God. This community of faith is a work of God. 1 Corinthians 1, four through nine, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you In Christ Jesus that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's stand together, verse 5. <clears throat> These great God to thee we owe, source whence all our blessings flow. And for these our soul shall raise grateful vows and solemn praise. Let's pray. Father, you are alone worthy of our praise, of our worship in your great grace. You have saved us, you have redeemed us, you've bought us with a great price through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. You're not finished. You have much redemption to do in our hearts, in our minds, in our habits of life, but you've promised that the Jesus who began this work is able to fulfill that, complete it to get it done. And so, as we leave this time of worship, as we enter the rest of the week seeking to implement the truth, the beauty, and the goodness of God in those spheres of influence that we have, may you too receive that worship. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage, help us not to falter and fail in being the people of God this week, in our work, at home, in our play, in all our activities. May Jesus be magnified. We ask for the name, for the glory of his name, amen. Go in the name of Christ.